Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blind Tag Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Nashheim. Today is going to be a great day, and if it is not, you need to will it into existence. Well, I guess now it's time to actually create some more content because I'm I'm done using uh, uh, Bennett as a crutch for the last couple weeks. But I got to sit here and say um, it was awesome going to the game with Bennett. Um, And actually, since uh, we've been doing the, uh, the episodes, I have had the opportunity... To be a part of WCC Radio's coverage of Coastal Carolina football games. So I think before we start with anything else. So I get a call. I want to say this was um, September 7th. No. 24th. In that range. And it was from Mr. T.J. O'Sullivan. And he was like, hey, you want to help us with uh, calling a football game? I'm like, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I was like, all right. Uh, well, uh, he says, I've got some more, uh, more uh, people i got to call. Um, I'll call you back. Absolutely, no problem. Um, he's like, you know, while you're waiting to hear from me, uh, think, do what you do. I know what that means. So as I'm breaking down stats, it was uh, they were playing uh, Massachusetts, and uh, I was definitely so I was in a situation where all right, let's let, let's see what we can do. So they. Um, finally got back to me. It was about, it was a Friday. The game was Saturday. He says, all right, so um, you're going to be in the studio. Uh, we'll get you a co-host. Uh, Matt and Bennett are going to be doing uh, commentary with me, and then we'll, we'll have our so, a social media person, Natalie Corson, um, roaming the sidelines. All right. Absolutely. Let's do this. Okay. So we, we get in the situation where you know and this um was all right, we, we got your co oh we got your co-host, his name is Ryan. Alright, awesome. Let's do this. I reached out to him. I think about an hour later we're off the phone. Um and then all right, be there at 10 a.m. Great. Um, if you hear the occasional grrr, uh, I am using Bluetooth. It is a little rainy right now at, at this point of the recording. So, but anyway, 
So we get there and we'll make sure everything is perfect. So uh, me and Ryan are getting ready for the pregame. Uh, everyone else is at the, at the stadium setting up or getting everything set up. And all right. The first segment, <laughs> I I very rarely, uh, since I left officially in December of 2020, I think I've been behind the computer once. So, and what we do, is kind of like what I do with um, the uh, segments here, is I'll have... Uh, Back, uh, like uh, background noise and uh, I forgot to turn it down so I'm me and Ryan are talking setting everything up and you hear boom 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 so on a commercial I look at the group check uh, your lo-fi is still uh, you know, don't forget to turn it down I went oh. so of course I decided all right Let's have some fun with this. We come back from commercial. I make sure it's lowered. I'm like, hey, you know, I want to apologize for that first segment. You know, when, when you get uh, brought out of retirement, um, you uh, you forget one thing or two. And I forgot that one thing. So my bust. And then, you know, we finish the show. We send it to the um, stadium. And then there was issues, like there was connectivity issues. I think it was probably because they were on a uh, Wi-Fi or whatnot. I'm like, okay, we don't don't want dead air. So like, if if they have to, uh, you know, somehow they have to reboot, turn the microphones on. All right. So we apologize. This is our first broadcast. We will be having some technical difficulties. We are working the bugs out of it. And uh, try try to fill in the space until I until I see their face. But all in all, it was a great experience. It was uh, so well received by higher ups that we had round two, the conference opener against Louisiana Monroe. This time, Matt was in the studio with Ryan. I was in at the stadium with. TJ, and we had technical difficulties again, but we overcame them. We we did a. I, I think the broadcast was just as good as the first one. Um, I'm hoping, God willing, that we get the next home game against Troy. That will be a night game. Uh, if that does happen. Okay, you'll you'll definitely be hearing stories about that, but we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know. But, with that being said, it's baseball time. The postseason, and I'm going to go give a quick rundown here in just a minute of what's going on, what's going on, what the playoffs are looking like. This is being recorded uh, after the Red Sox eliminated the Yankees in the wildcard game. So 
we know that's going to happen. So I'll give you my I'll give you my predictions and let's see what happens. We'll be right back. Before we get back to the podcast, I want to let everyone know about my intro. That is Sax, Rock, and Roll by Kevin McLeod. This song and other songs that are royalty-free are being able to be found on IncomeTech.com. All right, welcome back, and let's get into the wild card round now. The Yankees did lose to the Red Sox, and now the Red Sox will have to go play the Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays, 162 on the year, their first ever 100-win season, and second consecutive division title. Now... What's been the key to the uh, Rays' success this year? Uh, They lead the league in a 7.9 war from relievers and have the lowest ERA by the bullpen in the American League. Uh, Do I believe this series? I know I'm just going to go basically on how this article is doing it. Um, I, I, I see this going to five games. Uh, I see Tampa winning it in five games. It's going to be very close. I know Tom ain't going to like it, but it is what it is. The 2-3 matchup is going to be the Houston Astros. 95-67 and 67 winners out of the AL West facing the AL Central winner, Chicago White Sox, 93-69 and 69 on the year. This is this is going to be interesting. I really believe since 2000 There we go. Yeah, they were the only team in the AL Central to have a winning record. Since 2000's exact scenario were only one team was above 500 has happened eight times of the previous seven times five of the teams lost in the divisional series and one loss in the championship series the only exception the Houston Astros in 2017 um, I'm gonna have to say it's gonna it's gonna be close it's going to be a hard-fought four games, but I have Houston winning it. That would set up a Houston and Tampa Bay ALCS. Now, here's an interesting little tidbit. The LA Dodgers are the defending World Series champion. Whether you want to give them an asterisk because it was in the shortened season... Because of COVID, I don't care. It's still the defending uh, World Series champions. They won 106 games. And they have they got relegated to the wild card game. 
because the San Francisco Giants won one more. That's insane. They, But they get the host, the very hot St. Louis Cardinals, 90-72 on the season. The Cardinals have won 21 out of the They were 21-4 to end the season. Overall, in the second half of the, uh, of the season, they were uh, 20 games above 500. Due, due because they had a 17-game winning streak. The Dodgers, Max Scherzer, has been the best acquisition at the trade deadline. Since coming over to L.A., Scherzer has lowered every statistic possible and has put himself in the conversation for the NL Cy Young. He has a record of 7-0 in his 11 starts, but uh, L.A. is 11-0 in games he has started for them. I- I'm sorry. I know this is, is uh, like they're very hot. You're putting Scherzer on the mound. I got to go with the Dodgers. So you have the Dodgers and the Giants. All right, I'm going to go ahead and say this. It's a five-game series. No matter what, no matter what you got to say, no matter what statistics you can throw out, it's the two best teams in baseball going at it, and one of them are not going to see the uh, NLCS. I have the Dodgers. The Dodgers are looking to uh, prove that last year was not a fluke. I have the Dodgers in five games. Now we got Milwaukee, NL Central Champions 95 and 67, versus the Atlanta Braves, NL East Champions 88 and 73. I mean, ever since they lost uh, Ronald Acun Jr., they're 44 and 29. They were literally 500 with him. The Brewers, I mean, they've had a good season. Uh, let's see, who is this player? I want to make sure I, I, I get the name correctly. Freddie Peralta. As a starter, he has a 3.99 ERA with um, batters hitting 192. He has a 3.5 ERA as a reliever with batters hitting 211. So, runs are about the same, but batters are getting less, less contact. But, Here's the one thing you got to say when you're talking about the Atlanta Braves in the postseason. They choke. Milwaukee in four. I got Milwaukee in four. Uh, it would not surprise me if it's a sweep. I'm going to be honest with you. If there's one series of the possibilities, I am looking at the uh, Milwaukee sweep in the Braves. But I think the Braves will at least get one. And it will be a 3-1 series. 
All right, now, that puts us, my predictions, with Tampa Bay and Houston in the ALCS. Houston's going to be under a lot of scrutiny after the last few years. Tampa Bay is looking to uh, looking to try to win their way into a new stadium so that way they don't move to Montreal. So both teams have something to play for. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. It's going to be a six-game series. Um, I, don't know, I think Tampa Bay just has a little more, a little more to prove for, you know, a little more to play for. Excuse me. Now you got the Dodgers and the Brewers. Honestly, right now, I don't think anyone can really stop the Dodgers. Uh, they're on a mission. I got the Dodgers in five over the Brewers, and that puts you, uh, that puts Tampa Bay and the Dodgers. A rematch of last year's World Series, but unlike last year when it was exclusively played in uh, Globe, uh, Globe Life Park in Texas, this will be a true World Series up between them, played in LA and Tampa Bay. Those crowds are really going to uh, be become a factor, and I have in seven the LA Dodgers going back to back. Now I'm gonna. We'll play this back later, around November, and see how wrong I was. Because the last time I predicted uh, baseball playoffs, yeah, my the team that won it was in 2019. It was the uh, uh, Nationals. I had them losing in the wild card game. So we'll see what happens. But. When we get back, well, we'll figure something else to talk about. Oh, it's the quarter of the season here in the uh, NCAA, and let's let's look and see. Let's look at the top 25 and see if they are overrated or underrated. Welcome back from that brief little break. So let's look at, we have had five weeks in the college football season. And it's looking right now that Alabama and Georgia are the clear-cut favorites to be in the national title game based on their dominating performances. But... Who, who will take the other playoff spots? So let's, I want to go down the list real quick. This is the AP Top 25 poll through games played on October 3rd, 2021. You got Alabama and Georgia, and then Iowa, Penn State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Oregon, Oregon 
Michigan, and BYU as the top 10. 11 through 20 right now is Michigan State at 11. Oklahoma State, Arkansas, Notre Dame, Coastal Carolina, shots up. Kentucky, Ole Miss, Auburn, Wake Forest, and Florida. Finally, you have Texas, Arizona State, NC State, SMU, and San Diego State. Kentucky in the AP poll went from unranked to being 16th after their de- defeating Florida. Texas, Arizona State, SMU, and San Diego State are also new to this ranking. The first five teams out, Clemson, which is weird to say, Texas A&M, Oregon State, Baylor, and Mississippi State. So, based on the way things are going, You would have Alabama versus Penn State, Georgia versus Iowa. Now, Iowa and Penn State play this. They played this past weekend, uh, but this is being recorded before the game. So, whoever loses that game is going to fall out of top four. And if Cincinnati wins their game, they should move into the top four. So. Here's an interesting thing, all right? Based on the rankings, Ohio State went from 11th to 7th. Oregon went from 3rd to 8th. Oregon lost to Stanford, unranked. My question is, why did Ohio State jump up so high? Oh, I know why. It's Ohio State. There is talk that BYU might actually play its way into an at-large bid and the uh, New York Six, which is a uh, interesting development because the playoff games this year, under normal circumstances, would be. Uh, they would have automatic bids. Like, the playoff this year is the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. Now, the Orange Bowl has an ACC tie-in. The Cotton Bowl does not. So, according to USA Today, their predictions is they have Alabama and Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl, Iowa and Georgia in the Cotton Bowl, BYU and NC State in the Peach Bowl. That's weird. Penn State and Oregon in the Rose Bowl, Texas and Kentucky in the Sugar Bowl, Cincinnati and Ohio State in the Fiesta in the Fiesta Bowl. So you have two bowl games. So basically, two, the four of the eight New Year's Six slots are at large. With one of them going to the, uh, you really have three at large. So, if you have a situation where BYU is in the top ten at the end of the season, 
and you have champions that are lower than eight, lower than tenth. Like right now, NC State is twenty-three. Heck, Wake Forest, who's also undefeated, and NC State's not undefeated. They lost to uh who was it they lost to? I gotta look that up. But what? But they're undefeated in conference play. All right. As we look up NC State's schedule, they lost to Mississippi State, who's now unranked. So I don't know. Like it's. Obviously, Alabama's going to be in the Orange Bowl. Obviously, Georgia's going to be in the Cotton Bowl. It's so the only way that's going to happen is if Alabama turns into Vanderbilt and Georgia turns into Vanderbilt and literally just implodes before our eyes. Here, here's this interesting thing: it won't happen. I'm sorry. As much as you pray for it, as much as you want it to happen, it's not going to happen. Those teams are above and beyond the best teams in, in the country. Everyone says, oh, we want Alabama. Do you? Do you? Now... great stories coming out. I mean, you have a lot of teams that have super seniors uh, getting that extra year of eligibility because of uh, COVID and you know some people choosing to uh, opt out last year. And it wouldn't and it wouldn't be fair to the fall sports if only the spring, uh, spring and winter sports got that extra year of eligibility, so they they did it uh, blanketly, and gotta love assholes. I literally just had someone almost rear in me because they were trying to get a. Uh, I, I'm curious to see if that person actually turns off or uses this to bypass. Yep, that asshole. Somebody's in a damn hurry. I hate people like that. I really do. But anyway. So, the only way that's going to happen, like I said, it's not going to happen. Uh, now, as far as super seniors go, teams like Arkansas, Wake Forest, heck, even Coastal Carolina um, have had, you know, they, they have the super seniors on their roster. 
and that it allows them the ability that extra year because you know that's the one thing I think it's really going to come to fruition in college basketball is your Blue Bloods, your Duke, your North Carolinas, your UCLA's, your Kentuckys, they're not going to have the super seniors. It's your Coastal Carolinas, your Buffaloes, your um, Murray States, your Belmonts. They'll have the super seniors. And uh, probably even Gonzaga. So I'm going to make this prediction right now. There's going to be a lot of turmoil in the top 25 in college basketball this season. And it's going to show in the NCAA tournament. So, we're going to take a quick little uh, break. And we'll come back. What the hell is going on with Urban Meyer? We're going to talk about that when we come back. All right. And I know I kind of talked about this in the last segment, but what the hell? Oh. I mean, I figured that the Jacksonville Jaguars were a shit show, but damn. I did not expect this big of a shit show. Um, apparently, I, I think the Khan family did a better job with AEW than it did with uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they've only been running that for two years. So... Two and a half. So yeah. Um, here's what apparently happened. So on Thursday night football, the Cincinnati Bengals defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars on a field goal by Evan McPherson, which oh excuse me. Bennett was listening to it, would be like, yay! McPherson and I'm going uh, who? Anyway anyway so with that being said typically you fly back fly back home and then on if it's a Thursday game they might get like a couple days off and then go back to work on Sunday or Monday or or they might uh, do some film work on Friday get the weekend off, and then go back. You know, normal things. Um, apparently, there was one uh, noticeable passenger missing from the Jaguars flight back to uh, Jacksonville. Their head coach, Urban Meyer. Because apparently he wanted to clear his head. 
uh, on my, admitted to skipping the team flight so he could stay in Ohio to spend time with family. Meyer said he ate dinner with his family and that there was a big group of people by the restaurant who wanted me to come take pictures and try to pull me out on the dance floor screwing around. Okay. So, I can completely, with everything going on with me in the last couple months, I can completely understand you need to have time for your family. With everything in his health, I completely understand that you need time with your family. So apparently he cleared it with the GM, but the team didn't know, from my understanding. Now, obviously, I don't have a source in Jacksonville. Um... Well, I don't have any sources. I'm just reading articles. But, what? and then, the video circulates of him at a bar, sitting on a bar stool, with his back towards the bar, and this woman just grinding up on him. Okay. The f- and, uh, I want to say it was Rich Eisen. Had, had had a good uh, antidote about this. He said, when I first saw the video, the first thing I thought of, okay, when did this happen? And if it was very recent, what was the circumstances? See, a lot of people are not, if, see, I, this is what I think. Like I said, my opinion as with everything going on is this. As I think before the game Urban Meyer should have told his team or even before the week uh, they prepared for the week said hey You guys know my history, my health history. We, The family lives in Ohio. As soon as the game is over, I'm going to spend time with the family. If there is an issue, okay, then I'll fly back with the team and then the Khan family can fly me back up to Ohio. Okay? And then at that point, you'd go, okay, you know what? We understand. Thank you for being a man about it. That's fine. And at that point, if the video came out, it would be more about his conduct. Because first and foremost, if you're in a situation where A, you're married, B, you're making millions and millions of dollars a year, 
coaching in the NFL, where there's only 32 jobs available. You, you have to be aware of these situations. And he wasn't or chose not to be aware of it. All right. And like it, it just brings into question a lot of his decisions. So first, one of your first hires is the strength coach that basically got um, kicked out of Iowa for being a racist. Oh, that's your strength coach. Okay, you do know that at least, I would, I don't know the exact figures, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say about at least 75%, no, at least 70% of the league is African-American. Okay? And you're going to bring in a strength coach who has a history of racist views. Okay. That's strike one. Strike two is bringing in... It's not that you brought in Tim Tebow to try out for... Uh, the tight end position. It's that you made an announcement about signing him and you signed him to more than the veteran's minimum. To be a third tight end. Strike two. You say that um, you're going to use people's vaccination status as um, a means to whether you're going to cut them or not. I mean, if all but two of your players are unvaccinated, or all but two of your players are vaccinated, and they're at the bottom of the roster, okay, it's because you're at the bottom of the roster. It just happens to be the only two players who are unvaccinated. But, here's the thing. You can't say that. Because now you, if, if someone's cut, oh, I'm cut because I'm unvaccinated. You know, they, they have the ability to file a grievance. Right now, if any unvaccinated player in Jacksonville gets cut, they have a right to file a grievance because, yeah, he cut me because I wasn't vaccinated. Because the, you know, the leagues can't mandate it unless it's agreed upon by with their players' unions, and they're not going to agree to it. So, which. That can be another topic for another day. All right. So that's that's strike three. All right. We talked about baseball earlier. He should be out. Then he, after a loss, compared playing in the NFL to playing Alabama every week. 
Uh, I hate to tell you, there's some teams in the NFL that would lose to Alabama. And guess what? Jacksonville, you're one of them. That's strike four. Now we're on strike five. So, this is being recorded before the Tennessee game. So, we'll see how well my prediction plays out. If Tennessee destroys Jacksonville, if I'm if I'm the Khan family, I'm looking for any reason to fire him with cause. He is not Jimmy Johnson. He views the position of a head football coach like a CEO of a company. And guess what? In college, you can do that because you have the control. You uh, you, you have some limitations when it comes to uh, practice hours or whatnot. But you can create the culture. And if a player doesn't fit in, you can cut it. You can cut the player. You can take them off their scholarship. It works a little bit differently in the NFL, my man. There's never been a head coach, to my knowledge, that has come from college football to the NFL and had immediate success his first season. I mean, Jimmy Johnson went 1-15 his first season. So, and that's and that's the standard bear for college uh, college football coaches going to the NFL. That's the standard bear. Basically, if you don't have a winning season within three years, coming from college to the NFL, you're a bust. That's that's the way it is. But I don't know. It's uh, yeah. So if, if they uh, if they're blown out, the Khan family needs to look at uh, trying to fire someone with cause. Um, now, because I don't want to just say I'm, I'm ragging on them. If Jacksonville comes out and knocks the ever-loving stuffing out of Tennessee, okay, you kick the can down to next week. He he talks about um, letting them; uh, they have the keys to the castle. Okay, let's see if they really do. Like, um, it would not surprise me if I see a a situation where Meyer will call a play (laughs) and not so much on offense, 
because Trevor Lawrence is a rookie. And Trevor Lawrence has come out and said, I still respect Urban Meyer. Okay. You're a rookie. But say it's a defensive call. <laughs> you get one of those veteran defensive players go, mm-mm. So, you need to win, win back to respect to the locker room. Otherwise, you, you will join Nick Saban as being two of the greatest college football coaches to fail in the NFL. Well, I think that's a good, uh, good way to... Uh, leave off today I do know next week um, we got to get everything ironed out but I'm going to have Mike on here we're going to preview the NHL season the the divisions are back to normal the conferences are back to normal we have a 32nd team in Seattle the Kraken have arrived Uh, will Tampa Bay 3P Will uh, the Canadian, will Montreal, who had success based on it being in the Canadian division, will they regress this year? And will their Stanley Cup appearance be the product of a easy schedule or actual talent? We'll talk about that next week. But for now. My name is Kyle Nashheim. This has been the Blind Tag Podcast. We will see you next week.